Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to Unlocking Greatness podcast with Zenja Glass. I want to do a demonstration and I want to talk about a message and I'm going to call it God at the Center. For those who are listening to the podcast and not watching, I have a a bowl of marbles in my hand. And one of these marbles is a really, really large marble. So, and on the table in front of me, there's this circle that I've outlined. There's this big circle. So for those who are able to watch the podcast, imagine this circle being your life. And imagine everything inside of this circle, just, 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 let's just say this is just your entire life. Now, this big marble, I'm placing right in the center of this circle. So God is at the center of our lives, right? Now, I have a bowl of marbles in my hand, uh, and, and it's a lot of different colored marbles in here. These marbles are going to represent all of the distractions, the stresses, the things that life has to throw our way. So it's going to be a little loud if you're simply listening to the podcast, but I'm going to pour these marbles on the table now, and uh, you'll see what's going to happen. So I have marbles all over the table, and these marbles are just representing, and I'm doing my best to keep the marbles inside the circle. Every single time I move my hands, for those who are listening to the podcast, uh, to put another marble inside the circle, other marbles are moving out of the circle. And in some cases, God, who's at the center of this circle, is moving all over the place. Now, you may say, Z, why are you doing this? I am representing what happens in life. There are so many times we walk around stressing, worrying about things, being heavily distracted. I certainly am not excluded from that. Trying to keep everything in this circle. You know, we've got these marbles left and right leaving out of these circles. We don't want this person being mad at us, right? Wait a minute. We don't want this job situation to go this way. Hold on. What do you mean my results showed this? So we're trying to keep the health stuff together. We're trying to keep, you know, friendships together, trying to, you know, see what's happening here in the marriage, see what's going on with these two kids, why they're not acting right, what's going on with his school. Wait a minute. What happened here in this situation at work? Wait a minute. Somebody said something. Hold on. Hold on. I'm trying to focus on this business I got, and then this happened, and I got this email from a client that's upset, and you get my point? So I'm all over the place moving these marbles around. I'm going to let it pause for a minute uh, just for those who are listening to the podcast because it, be it may be a little hard listening and hearing all the sound, but I'm going to pause it for a minute. So when I pause it for a second and I'm not moving anything, God is all the way over to the side of this circle at this point. And marbles are just all over the place. There are some inside the circle and some outside the circle. And just when we think, okay, life is okay. Everything's under control. I got it together. Here comes some more marbles. So now I've got another bowl. This bowl is just going to represent whatever the heck you want it to represent. Because you, you guys all know our lives are different. And there's so many things that come our way. I can't even begin to explain. And that can be anything from an unexpected death in the family to I don't know, a crisis that happened to, I don't know, all of a sudden you got to now move or what have you. So there's more marbles that come in. And this just is life. Look at this. If you're, li- if you're listening to the podcast, you guys will, will uh, know that there's even more marbles all over the table. And we try so hard to control it all because we got to be in control, right? We got to make sure that everything stays in this little circle and everything stays as it should be. Now, I'm going to try to pause this a little bit, and I got marbles everywhere now at this point. The truth of the matter is, when you think about it, we spend so much time trying to keep everything together, wearing ourselves completely out to the point where at night sometimes we can't even sleep or we can't even stay focused on the goals or the dreams that God has given us or things we know we need to accomplish or do, let alone spend time and sit still with God. Because we... (laughs) 
we're, we're so easily distracted by trying to keep everything in its rightful place, or at least what we think is its rightful place. The most important thing that we can do in life, and, and I'm learning this myself, you guys. This is not me trying to preach at you because I'm no one's preacher. I am learning the most important thing, and I'm holding up this larger marble right now for those who are simply uh, listening to my podcast, perhaps on Google or Spotify or Apple or Amazon or wherever. Uh, I'm holding up this large marble, and I'm putting it right back in the center of the table. And I'm putting it back in the center because... Because at the end of the day, we can't fix everything, you guys. There are some things we just can't control. There's always going to be distractions and things and oppositions and things that come to us in life. We have to keep God at the center of it all and allow him to be the one to fight these battles. If you're still, if you're watching the video, you'll see that there's still marbles all over the place. Some of them have moved outside of the circle. Some of them are in the circle. But at the center is God. I pray that this encourages you. It is very difficult to live life without God being the center of it and dealing with all of the issues that goes on. I have to, in order to be able to have some sort of peace in my life, some sort of enjoyment of life, I have to have some sort of knowledge of God being at the center. I have to have someone to run to. Now, for those of you who may not, you know, who may say, well, Z, well, God ain't the center and I don't really know much more, much about God or what have you. I want to encourage you to get in your Bible, to get into prayer, ask God to guide you, to lead you, to give you wisdom, to give you strength. And what I also want to encourage you with is this, because I've seen some messages from you all recently on this. God has not left the building. Some of you think that God is not in control anymore or he's not aware of what's going on in your life. And that's simply not the case. He's aware. He's there. He has the answers. The Holy Spirit is there to guide us. Now, I want to pivot just a little bit, and I'm going to get these marbles off the table now. Did you know I got to go to a scripture? So I'm going to bear with the sound. I know it's loud. All right. All the marbles are now removed off the table. Of course, this circle was still here, but just pretend the circle is no longer here. I'm going to pivot and get my Bible real quick. And I want to talk just a little bit, just a little bit about Nehemiah. I, I read uh, yesterday all of the books of Nehemiah. I think it's about 13 or so chapters, maybe 13 or 14 chapters. And I spent some time after reading through all of the books of Jeremiah, which I think is roughly 40 something chapters. I wanted to spend some time in the book of Nehemiah. Now, I'm going to give a really, really, really short version of the first portion of Nehemiah because I want to encourage you with this. What I love about Nehemiah, and I forgot some of these things about this man. First of all, I didn't realize how much opposition and how many distractions and things came his way. And I didn't realize that he kept God at the center of it all. He didn't run to every distraction that came his way in every opposition. Every time someone threatened him or said, you can't build the wall, this is not going to happen, or, or we're going to kill you or what have you. He always went back to the source and kept God at the center. So just a little bit of a backdrop on Nehemiah. Remember, he was a cupbearer. And to my understanding, and I can be wrong on this, the cupbearer is the one that, you know, serves the king their drinks and making make sure the king doesn't get poisoned and all that kind of stuff. So he was a cup bearer to the king. He was in a very, very nice position. And he knew that Jerusalem, the walls of Jerusalem had been torn down. He knew that Jerusalem, um, basically the city had been burned to the ground. The gates had been burned. And he asked the king for permission to go and rebuild the wall. So I'm just going to jump around just a little bit because I want to just get to the part about the distractions. And I want to share with you guys how he handled all of the distractions that came his way. So when you look in the book of Nehemiah and you look in uh, chapter one, uh, I'm just going to start and just read a little bit of this, and I pray this encourages you. Um, even in chapter one, 
um, uh, he says, um, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down. I'm in verse uh, three at this point. The wall, of, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So he started off with prayer before God. Then he even went to um, his um, the king and he asked the king, can he get permission to go and rebuild the wall? Let me get rid of some of this paper because I've got some things coming out of my Bible. So he went to the king and asked the king, uh, could he rebuild? Um, can he go and take care of this great project? And I want to get uh, to a point in here in chapter one and verse 11. Um, he says, oh, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in uh, revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. So he actually went to God before he even went to, you know, the, this king to, to ask, can he get permission to go and uh, take on this great project? So I love that he did that. But let me jump around a little bit. So the king said yes and sent him on his way. And I gave him permission to go in and, and rebuild. I'm going to skip over some of that. I want to get to the part of when the rebuilding was happening. Uh, let's see. So we're in um, we're in Nehemiah chapter two at this point. Um, and Nehemiah says here, I'm going to just skip down in verse maybe middle of verse eight. He says, and because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my request. OK, so he gives honor to God on that. And then in verse 10, it says, when Sanballat. Um, the the uh, I'm probably pronouncing this wrong. The Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this. They were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Okay, it gets interesting now. Uh, so Nehemiah went. He inspected the wall and uh, basically uh, told his fellow men, "Hey, we're going to rebuild this." And here's where some of this opposition began to come. Um, uh, in verse um, uh, 17, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we would no longer be in disgrace. So this is him encouraging them. We've got to rebuild. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. Check this out. In uh, verse uh, 19, but when Sanballat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Amorite official and Geshem, the, the uh, Arab uh, uh, heard about it. They mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you're doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying the God of heaven will give us success and uh, we his servants will start rebuilding. Um, but as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem, nor any claim or historic right to us. So they started building. So you think, OK, but things are going fine. Well, check this out in chapter four. And again, this is this is still in in, in, in relation to distractions and oppositions and things that come to us in life. And instead of us running around trying to fix everything, which is what I'd naturally try to do, look how Nehemiah relied on God and his deliverance and allowed God to do the fighting for him and to give him the strategies. In chapter four, it says, when Sambalot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And then uh, uh, Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was by his side, said what they are building, even a fox, even if a fox climbs up on it, he would break down their wall of stone. So they're sitting there basically talking about him saying, hey, what you doing is a joke. This is not going to even stand up. 
um, uh, and, and, uh, and in verse 4, Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. So it's interesting that the response is, is back to God. So in verse 6, uh, it says, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half his height, half its height, for the people work with all their heart. Now here's where there's a transition here. They continue to build. People were in opposition, basically ridiculing them, talking about them, all of this opposition, all of these distractions. They stayed their butts focused. And when they got halfway there, look at the opposition that comes when we get about halfway to doing or completing what God tells us to do. Listen to this. When they got halfway there, um, in verse 7, but when Sambalot, uh, Tobiah, the, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashad heard that the repairs to Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, so they're getting close. They were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Interesting. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Very interesting. Keeping God at the center. He said, we pray to our God. They didn't start panicking. They didn't start running around. They didn't start saying, well, we tried. We built half. We, you know, it's just too much happening in life. There's too much opposition. There's too many things coming my way. They prayed to God. Meanwhile, this is verse 10. The people in Judah said the strength of the laborers is given out and there's too much rubble that we cannot build the wall. So now you got your own people saying we tired. <laughs> we tired. The strength is the, 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 our, our, it's just this, this is too much. It's too much to do. That's more uh, marbles, more opposition. It's too much. You, what you're trying to do is too much. We tire. We don't even see how this can get done. And they're telling this to a guy that's a cupbearer. So let's see, did he, did he relent? Did he, did, he, did he stop? Let me see where I left off here. So meanwhile, the people in Judah um, said the strength of the laborers is given out and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, now this is verse 11. Also, our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to the work. So not only do you have your own people saying we tired, it's just too much to do. Keep in mind, all of this feedback is going to Nehemiah. You're now saying, you're now hearing your enemy say, you can build all you want, but when you're done, we're going to be there to kill you anyway. You talk about some opposition and some, some distractions. Then, hold on, we're not done. Verse 12, then the Jews who live near them came and told us 10 times over <laughs> wherever you turn they will attack us so now you have even more of your people coming and saying this is basically helpless more marbles more distractions more things coming your way trying to get you to freak out and stop and try to fix things on your own let's see how Nehemiah responded to this this is what I love about this wow Verse 13, let's look at the response. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest point of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, and your wives and homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, did you hear that? When I heard... I'm in verse 15 in chapter four. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. That encourages me so much that God can frustrate the ways of our enemies. 
situations come our way and God can handle it. Verse 16, from that day on, half of, um, half of uh, my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shears, uh, shields, bows, and armors. And it just goes on to talk about those who carried um, materials did their work uh, with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword um, at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. It goes on to talk about um, that even at night, they didn't take their clothes off, that they basically uh, worked around the clock and had weapons in one hand and worked with the other. I'm just kind of paraphrasing a little bit. But what's amazing is I'm in verse four, uh, chapter four, verse 20. Um, uh, he says, whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half of the men holding spears from the first light of dawn until the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can serve as guards by night and workmen by day. Neither I nor my brothers, nor my men, nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water they were ready and they knew that God would be the one to focus on their battles for them he would be the one to respond to all the distractions so you would think that that was it I'm going to skip around a little bit because I don't want to spend too much time into this but they had all kind of issues their fields and vineyards and stuff some of their own people were doing their own people wrong you guys can read all that yourself I want to focus on just the oppositions that that specifically came that would normally stop most people Uh, Because there was a lot of mess he had to do, even even internally with them, uh, treating each other wrong, cheating each other and uh, uh, overcharging them for stuff. And it was just it it was just bad. But in chapter six, um, here it is. Here's some more opposition when the wall was almost complete. So when the word came to Sambalat, Tobiah and Geshem, um, the air and the rest of the enemies um, that uh, I had rebuilt the wall and uh, not a gap was left in it. Though up to that time I had not seen the doors and the gates, Sambalot, the Geshem, sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent a messenger to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. So they were basically trying to get him to set up a meeting so that they can take him out. But he was wise enough and God gave him wisdom enough to know, don't you go. They're trying to scheme against you because they want to kill you. So check this out. Uh, They basically kept going back and forth, sending the same message. And Nehemiah was like, nope, I'm busy doing the Lord's work. I'm not going to come. And then basically they they threatened him. And uh, in chapter six, uh, verse, um, I guess this is around verse seven or so. They basically um, made up a story. Um, I don't know if I should read this all through. I guess I should read it. Uh, It says it is reported among the nations in Geshem says um, it is true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt and therefore you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king and have uh, even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us confer together so they're basically telling him you plotting to take over you 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 plotting to take over and try to become a king and go against our king now just a little bit of a backdrop and I'm sorry if I'm talking fast let me slow this down a little bit you got to remember what they just what they were coming out of almost 70 years of being under King Nebuchadnezzar remember when he took over when Babylon came in and took over Jerusalem burnt everything down so you don't want to kind of go against that and they basically saying, you, you, you trying to come in here and take over what this is all about. So in verse uh, uh, eight, um, he signed a reply to them and basically just said, you lying. You know, that's not true. You're making this stuff up. Uh, but then in verse uh, nine, he says, but I prayed um, now strengthen my hands. So again, he prayed to the Lord. 
Uh, now I'm going down some more in verse 10. One day I went to the house of Sheminah, son of Deliah, uh, the son of Metabel, who was shut up in his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realize, listen to this, listen to this. I realize that God had not sought him. Now that gave me chills hearing that. But that he had prophesied against me before Tobiah and Sambalot had hired him. Listen to these words I'm about to say in verse 13. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this and then um, would give me a bad name and discredit me you know, trying to get him to um, go into the temple. That's a whole nother subject about who can go into the temple and who couldn't. I won't get into that. But he says that he realized that God didn't send this man. This man was sent to intimidate him. And he goes on to say um, that um, uh, the prophets who were trying to intimidate him. So in the next verse, in verse 15, it says the wall was completed. The wall was completed in 52 days. He was able to complete the project that God had uh, assigned for him to do. And in verse 16, he says, when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. And he goes on down to say uh, at the end of that same chapter that Tobiah had sent letters to intimidate him. Um, and even after they put the doors in place and did all the things, there was opposition and opposition that came his way. But God in, in chapter seven, verse four says, now the city was large and spacious. There were few people in it and the houses had not yet been rebuilt. So my God put it in my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials and the common people for registration by families. And he went ahead to register people, get people listed into the city. And I'm going to stop there because I really would love to go on and, and keep going between chapter eight and 13, but I'm going to end it at that point because I don't want to go off subject the point is I didn't realize how much opposition Nehemiah had he's just some cupbearer to a king and he had a little bit of clout but not that much you know and and he was able to go down he had opposition against his own people who after a little bit of work was tired then he had opposition against his people coming back to him saying over and over again basically we ain't gonna be to finish this is too much work then he had some jealous man uh basically having putting lies against him Literally trying to put lies against him to say, are you trying to take over as king? Then he had some guy, you know, uh, uh, I think that was still Sanballat, that was threatening left and right to kill him. Then had the audacity to hire some people to intimidate him. So you talk about all the marbles, all of the distractions, everything that comes our way to try to take us off focus and to keep God from the center. I pray that this little story with Nehemiah encourages you. And the reason I'm encouraged by it, and I'm just amazed that God even led me to read reading Nehemiah because I kind of forgot some of the details in that story. I think what shook me is, oh, my gosh, he kept his focus that whole time and he kept God at the center. Where's my large marble? He kept God at the center of all of it. There are so many times I would have been distracted where I would have been chasing after all of the things going on in life responding to all of those distractions he kept God at the center of it all saying God's going to fight with us God gave them a plan God gave them a strategy he didn't even allow his own countrymen to to discourage him now now pick up on that one a little bit sometimes it can be the very people in our inner circle that don't have the faith 
that feel like we can't do this, that try to discourage you from doing what you need to do, that try to discourage you that, you know, I understand, you know, yeah, God may have told you something, but how how you going to make that happen when you ain't got, when you don't have no money? How are you going to make that happen when you're not even, you know, you're not a minister. How are you going to do this? You, you're not, you, you're not famous. How are you going to do this? How are you going to start this business up or how are you going to go back to school? You know, sometimes it can be our own inner circle. And I just want to encourage you guys with this. Keep God at the center. You don't have to fix everything and figure everything out. Keep him at the center. And I found, especially in these last, uh, I'd say, couple of weeks, the closer it gets to me finishing my book, I kid you guys not, the harder it's been. I have never in my life had so many distractions come my way. In fact, just yesterday, I sat down to write. And the moment I sat down, so many things that normally don't happen was coming out of the blue. It was unreal. It was unreal. And I can only imagine what's going on with you guys. That's how the enemy works in our lives to keep us distracted, keep us from focusing on the center, telling us stuff people said, putting fear in our heart, appointing people to intimidate us, using even our own family men, our, our, our own inner circle people to distract us and discourage us at times. Be encouraged that no plan of God can be thwarted. And it's so important to keep him at the center. I'm so glad God gave me this message this morning because I was feeling kind of down, to be honest. And I was feeling like, Lord, I'm wasting so much time. Like there's just so many distractions and things that are coming at me when I just want to sit with you and be with you. I just want to finish writing what you put in my heart to write. And then I felt guilty for allowing myself to be distracted. I want you to destroy that guilt if you feel guilty right now. I don't think God wants us to walk around feeling guilty at all. I think our eyes need to be open. And that's why I just did this podcast, because I'm dealing with this in real time. And I'm praying that it encourages you as well. You know, we can't go back and and take back time that we may feel we lost or whatever. And by the way, I don't feel like any time's wasted. I think all of it is a lesson because had I not gone through what I've just recently gone through, I wouldn't be doing this 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 message right now. And this message is going to produce some gold because there's somebody listening to this message that's going to get it. So I just want to encourage you all. Let's get back on track. okay? That's all I want to say. Let's put God back at the center. And each time I should do my marble things again, but it's probably going to be too loud. But each time all of these other distractions and marbles come along, instead of us running after each little marble, trying to make sure that everything is perfect in life and this person ain't mad and this situation is taken care of and this and that. Let's always remember, keep your eye on the center and keep God at the center of it all. Nehemiah is an amazing, amazing, amazing example. Go back and read that when you have some time. And learn from him as well, okay? I love you all. You know I do. This is Z with Unlocking Greatness Podcast. Bye-bye.